Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC had an absolutely amazing card this weekend, filled with bangers. Top to bottom, UFC 244 certainly delivered. And while this week's upcoming card in Moscow, Russia is not quite as deep as the one last weekend, we are still going to be breaking down all of the action, starting with the main event between Zabit Magomed Sharapov versus Calvin Cater, an absolutely fun featherweight fight that I'm excited for. Plus, we'll be breaking down two other of our favorite fights on the card as part of our fights, dogs, and parlays portion of the show. We'll also give you that underdog and that parlay that we think you should play. And hey, if you listened to it last week, we hit both the parlay and the dog. Definitely some money to be won later on in the show. Plus, as always, you know we're bringing the fighter interviews to you. We've got two fighters who are fighting in Russia. First, we'll be talking with Pani Kianzad about her absolutely crazy parents who get a little bit too involved in her fights when they head on out. Plus, we'll be talking to Roosevelt Roberts, who talks about rebounding from his first ever career loss. But before we get to any of that content, i got to remind you that this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by A Story About a Fight from Rumination Films. A Story About a Fight is a short action drama film about the beauty in the violence in the sport that we love so much, MMA. And let me tell you something, I've always been a huge supporter of there being more MMA films. I've always thought there should be more. I've always wanted more. But this one's a little bit extra special, and the reason why this one's a little bit extra special is because it is being made by people who know MMA. Both the director, the cinematographer, and the lead actor not only are fans of the sport, but they are also participants in the sport. They are people who actively train mixed martial arts all the time. So we are going to get to see a very authentic view of what MMA looks like on the silver screen, and I, for one, could not be more excited for how it's going to look. If you're as excited as me, you can check out their campaign at Indiegogo.com and support their project. You can do that by going to Indiegogo.com and searching for a story about a fight. You can also check out our pinned tweet on our Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA, or you can head to their Twitter, at A Story of Fight. A Story About a Fight from Rumination Films brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. Daniel Gumby Greenland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Pani Kianzad, who fights Jessica Rose Clark at UFC Moscow this upcoming weekend. So, Pani, I wanted to ask you about how you got into MMA, because I know you started boxing when you were just a teenager. What inspired you to start combat sports at such a young age? Uh, so, um, I've always... Uh been interested in individual sports um i started swimming at a young age uh, five ish so when i came into my teenage years um i was you know i was looking for something you know i was pretty i was a pretty big uh, big teenager i wasn't you know fat or anything but i was pretty muscular you know and i could um i could see myself doing something during the days besides, you know, watching TV. And I don't know, somehow I just stepped into the boxing club uh, in my hometown and actually started fighting when I was 13. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. Now, I, I got to ask, too, because uh, especially because there are d- different cultural expectations depending on where you're from. How did your parents view you as a 13-year-old boxer? 
so, you know, parents are always, like, really worried and stuff. But my dad was, like, he was pretty hyped because uh, he's, he, he's been an athlete uh, when he was younger. He was playing for, as a junior, for the Iranian uh, football team. Um, so, and he was playing a lot of different sports. And my mom is pretty more, um, uh, how do you say it, uh, controversial she's more um like a real iranian mom <laughs> uh she was kind of worried you know about appearance you know my nose and you know looks <laughs> uh and i try to tell her mom it's not gonna get better than this <laughs> anyway <laughs> um and then i actually did my first fight uh, before i was 14 just just before i turned 14 and did your mom, now I'm curious because, you know, you said your mom's a little bit more traditional. Did your mom go to all of your fights even when you were young? Uh, no. So she all, the first time she saw me fight was actually when I did amateur MMA. Um, and uh, she's been to two of my, uh, two of my pro fights or maybe one. One of my pro fights just because she is a handful. You can't have her there. She fucks up shit. She's a, no, she's fucked up. No, I would never have her in a fight again. That's what I told her. The last time I, she was at my fights, it was when I did my fifth pro fight uh, in my hometown and she almost cost me the fight because I could hear her screaming at me when I was down and mount and I was like, fuck off, you know, I was so mad. <laughs> so I told her no more. No more. And it, <laughs> she's and, a nerve wreck. And, and it's just that she gets excited and she's yelling, you know, either instructions or, or what is she yelling out of curiosity? Yeah, this is the funny part. She's yelling instructions. She doesn't even know, you know. She was like, kick her back. And she just like grabbed. She, this person grabs a hold of the biggest cage we have in Sweden with her bare hands. So, like, the guys that work for that local promotion has to, like, take her away like come on they didn't want to upset her even more if she accidentally punched him or something and i told her after like mom i love you but no never again <laughs> so ever so we're not going to get a chance to see that at any point in time on espn because i think that would do pretty good tv ratings oh no dana why would go mad i mean just like never bring your mom here again <laughs> <laughs> but, but my dad is chill he's like he just sits and watches and once he got so excited because this broad and my third pro fight, she hold on to my hair, my, uh, uh, my, my cornrows, and she held on to it and kneed me in the face. And he got so mad, so he got up and he strained his back. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, fuck, don't do that to my, you know. He knew that you couldn't do that. So he's, he's, he's cool, he's chill, but he, he can get mad too if stuff is not you know right <laughs> well it sounds like you definitely have the pound for pound toughest parents in all of them i i do have to say yeah they're, they're pretty cool <laughs> uh, all right so let's talk a little bit about the fight too because you got a fight coming up against jessica rose clark which is a really exciting one and i think a lot of people don't realize this is a rematch from invicta 13 where you won uh by a 30 to 27 on all the judges scorecards decision H how do you look back at that fight in preparation for this one um, I mean, um, I had a lot going on before that fight. I almost didn't make it to the fight because I had visa issues. Um, I was getting my visa like way too late and, um, I actually missed my first flight going to the States. Um, so when I finally got my visa, it was only 24 hours. 
I didn't even cut weight because I got such anxiety that I dropped weight, <laughs> you know, coming in. I just came in, and the day after, I had a weigh-in. Uh, so I was pretty amazed how I deal with that fight. I, I mean, I always have great cardio, but like physically, not many people notice, but I fought with a hernia that fight. Uh, I had a hernia. I could not, like, you could not get me to kick because my back, my lower back was so fucked up. But, you know, when you're in a fight, I got so much, so much adrenaline and I, I just got used to, you know, training with a bad back for so many years. So really, that didn't affect me until after the fight. You know, I was so fucked up. Um, but you know, when 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 I fought Jesse, that was that was really hard. I mean, even though that I won all the rounds, uh, I, I was always cautious because she's always dangerous everywhere. Uh, she's so tough too. Uh, but you know, that's one of my best fights. Uh, that's one of my favorite fights I ever had. Well, and and you said there too that you know you obviously had the back issues. You had all the you know problems with getting there. Does knowing that you perform that well, given all of that adversity, give you sort of an extra boost in this one? Because we, we can sort of assume you're not going to face those same sort of troubles when you head to Moscow. Yeah, so, uh, uh, you know, I I have some some stuff that I'm really good at. So I have great cardio, but I got a good heart. So when shit goes down, you know, I don't care. Uh, you know, if I die, I die. <laughs> funny we're going to Russia you know uh, so uh, that's me you know I I kind of forget about all that for a while because I know how much I love fighting and I know how much I love you know getting my hand raised after such a hard camp and you know so I'm, I work so hard for this and you know it's all up to you know destiny now I've done my part I'm, I've, I've trained really good and I improved so much even since my last fight. And uh, I'm not even there, but I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> uh, so I'm really looking forward to this fight. And this is a whole nother fight. This is a new fight. We are so much better. This is four years later. And yeah, so I can't wait. Yeah, and, and I wanted to mention there, too, you know, you said you're, you're different than your last fight, too. Obviously, you took your last fight on short notice, had a little bit of a short camp against Julia Avila. Do you feel like things for this fight and the prep work for this fight have gone much smoother knowing that you have more time in a full camp? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, if I can get a full camp, of course I want it. But I I can still be ready for that kind of, you know, thing. If somebody comes up and, like, gives me the opportunity in my life, I just got cut from the UFC. I fought one fight outside of UFC, and I was in good shape. And they came and asked me. I'm like, I'm never going to say no to that, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and that's what I always bring with me. I'm always ready. Uh, even though I came up short for this fight, uh, I mean, uh, and this time I got a camp, um I feel that I took advantage of that time because, you know, people ask me why I didn't fight in Copenhagen because, you know, I represent Denmark uh, and Sweden. It's just because I wanted to give myself, you know, that time because, you know, I've, I've come to the top in MMA and I've, I'm not going anywhere. I don't want to waste. I don't want to just like rush into something. I just wanted my time to build myself up because, you know, I think after taking that fight on short notice, I think I deserve to give my body some time and get better. Absolutely. Now, I got to ask, because usually I ask at the end of every interview, you've given your time, your yes. body time to get ready. You're, you've had a good training camp. You feel all healed up. How does this go down when you face Jessica Rose Clark? What's your prediction for the fight? It's going to be a really tough fight. It's going to be really competitive like last time, I believe. Uh, I'm going to be 
always one step ahead. Okay, so that's that's what's gonna happen. I'm I, I don't know how I'm gonna win, but I'm gonna be one step ahead on everything we do, because uh, I'm just seeing myself doing a lot of stuff I worked on. I see myself being smarter. I see myself being like a mixed martial artist, not just a striker, not just this. Okay. So, and, uh, you know, this fight is really close to my heart. And this means a lot to me. This means this is the most important fight of my life right now. And, uh, you know, I think about this every day. I think about my opponent every day and I just want to go in there and perform for myself. You know, I, I'm only doing this for myself and I, and I can't just wait to, to see all the, you know, all the all the stuff I worked on, the result and everything. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Panny Kianzad, who fights Jessica Rose Clark at UFC in Moscow this upcoming weekend. Panny, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. This is Daniel Gumby Greenland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today I have the pleasure of speaking to Roosevelt Roberts, who fights Alexander Yakolev at UFC Moscow this weekend coming up. So, Roosevelt, this is a short-notice fight. It's halfway around the world. You're fighting an opponent who's practically fighting in his own backyard. Was there any hesitation when Dana White offered you this fight? No, there was no hesitation. You know, um, like I told Sean Shelby and Dana White, um, send a name, send a contract. They like they said. I told them to ask him first because you know they send me. I'm signing, sending right back. So you know, we was ready. We was getting ready, and you know, the opportunity presented itself, and we took it. So you said you were already getting ready. You you were in camp ready for, uh, you know, something like this, like a short-notice fight? Yeah, I mean, because uh, I, uh, I was actually getting ready to go on sing- to go on that Singapore card. So I was, I, was, I, was, um, I was actually already training, getting ready, and he said that he might have something for uh, Singapore, and we didn't hear nothing back. And then we got the, uh, the last-minute call for, the, for the, uh, the, the Moscow. So then we was like, yeah, you know, we're ready to do it. Let's go. So so you've actually been in camp already for, for pretty much the amount of time you would be in a camp already, no? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, um, I, I say I say it was about like like seven weeks, like seven weeks, seven, six weeks I've been I've been on it, you know. And you know, that's pretty that's pretty that's that that's perfect for me. I mean, my last couple fights I had long I had long camps. Uh, not the Vince Patel fight, but the fight before that. I had like twelve, like twelve, like um, twelve week camps and stuff like that, and they felt so long and draining. So I'm actually really happy that I actually got like a a quicker fight. Yeah, that that's definitely sounds uh, more advantageous in this case. Now, what what are sort of your thoughts on fighting over in Russia? I I know you were preparing to go over to Singapore, but you know, sort of an interesting opportunity to fight halfway across the world. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, uh, coming from I come from, you know. Like living the life I live, you know, I never would have thought that I'd ever be in Russia or like going anywhere out of the country. You know, like my mind would never even told me that I would have been doing that. So the fact that I'm even at, that they're giving me the opportunity to go across the world and like see something different, like it's a blessing, you know, and I'm thankful for it. Yeah, and, and you mentioned sort of you know how you had the the rough upbringing and the rough childhood, and, and it sort of turned around quick too because you know you really only started training in MMA you know, like six years ago now, is it? And how has, yeah. how have you taken all of this in being, you know, such a drastic change in that amount of time? I mean, um, it's just, you know, I just take it one day at a time. I, so I, right now I'm just soaking everything in, you know, um, like every, every USC fight, the continuous fight, I just been breathing it in, going there, enjoying the moment, enjoying the lifestyle, 
the training, the work, the hard work, like, and, you know, everything just coming at its perfect time, you know. I felt like, you know, uh, I still got a lot of years to grow in this sport, and, yeah, I just feel like right now where I'm at is perfect for me. You certainly do have a lot of years to grow in the sport, being as young as you are. I, I do want to talk about one of those very first fights, though, because as a grappling nerd, I, I'm particularly interested in it. Your, your UFC debut, you beat Daryl Horcher by guillotine choke. You got him pretty much up off his feet and sideways with the choke. <laughs> it, yeah. Is, is that a type of choke that you go for often in training, or was it just the moment presented itself right and, and you hit it? No, so so I do go for the guillotine in training, right? But... See, with with that choke right there, the reason I was able to even have him up for that little bit of time was I was using his what he was trying to do. So his escape, he was trying to roll out of it, right? And I was throwing my hips into him, and I was keeping him pressured against the cage. So the more he was trying to roll out, the more I was pushing my hips, and he got stuck on the cage, you know? So it's, it's just like I just knew in that moment just to keep my hips in and not to pull back, you know? So, yeah, it was just like, yeah, in that moment, I was just like, hey, you know, I just got to go for it. I got it. <laughs> and, and it was an absolutely wild-looking submission, and what you're describing obviously makes a whole lot of sense. You won a huge, you know, 50K bonus off of that. What was the first thing you did with your 50K bonus? Man, first thing I did, um, I gave my mom money. Uh, gave I gave my kid's mother money. And then, you know, I just went out and had a big party. <laughs> and then I just went... <laughs> You know, I just, I just, I just lived. I just lived a little bit. You know, uh, I went and got my. Oh, and I went and got my kids. I didn't have my kids for like six months before that fight. So um, as soon as I got that, I went, flew down to Miami, got my kids, brought them back to California, and then I was, I was living with them for like seven months. So I had to take them back. So it's like, you know, I was just really with family, like living, like just living, really, you know, enjoying life. That, that's absolutely awesome, and, and I can't think of a better way to spend your, your 50K. Now, I, I'm going to take us down a little bit here, too, because, you know, you, you go from having that really big win, you follow that up with a nice win, you know, shortly thereafter over Thomas Gifford, and, and then we've got the fight this past summer against Vince Pichel, which you lose by unanimous decision, the very first loss in your career. How, how have you dealt with that loss and rebounding from it? Man, I mean, the first, the first I ain't going to lie to you, the first, the first couple weeks, first month or two, like two months, two and a half months, man, my mind, like, I was so messed up from it because I knew I could have pushed harder, you know? Like, the first round I came out, I felt like I won the first round. I felt like the second round, um, I came out and I was a little tired and stuff. But I felt like I still did enough to win that round. And, yeah, he, there, there's no question he won that third round. He beat me that third round. I get that to him. But I felt like I did enough to at least get that split decision or not at least to get a split decision lost and not a unanimous decision lost, you know? And, it's just, um, you know, I just had to take it one day at a time. I put so much pressure on myself because, you know, you, like when you go in a fight and you feel like you gave everything in it, then it's like it's easy to be like, okay, you know, I did everything I had to do. Like, um, I, I just, I just, it just didn't work that night, you know. But I just felt like mentally I wasn't really there, so I couldn't push myself as hard as I could, you know. But now I've been working on my mental, working on more physical, and I'm ready to go now, more hungry than ever. Well, and I was going to ask you too, you know, you said you were working on your mental and physical. Uh, what aspects of the mental game have you been working on in, in order to sort of prepare yourself for this upcoming bout? I mean, to be honest with you, I, I just been like, I just been thinking like, I just been focusing, like not focusing on so much the bad, but focusing on every, like where I came, like, and I think about where I came from, how I can't, I can't go back to that, you know, I feel like, 
I was probably getting a little complacent where I was at, you know, and I feel like I needed that because now it put it snapped the fire into me. Like it made me, it made me hungry again. Made me want to, okay, you know, I need this. Like I can't go back. I can't go back. I won't go back. And I refuse to let anybody send me back. And yeah, I had that little, I had that little setback, but that doesn't define me. And I just got to keep telling myself, like, okay, we're going, we're growing. We're, we're young. We're growing. We're going to keep getting better. And you know, I got my team, got the people pushing for me. And I just got to take it all in and you know, use that. Absolutely. I love that mindset change. How about the physical side of things? What what has been the big physical focus in this camp and getting better from the Pachel fight? Um, I think a lot of things I felt like I did wrong. I didn't feel like I had enough volume in the Pachel fight. I mean, I threw, I threw a, a good amount of punches, but I didn't, I wasn't like, like this fight, I've been throwing a lot of volume. I've been doing a lot of like, like moving, a lot of sticking and moving, a lot of, a lot of groundwork, a lot of wrestling, you know? So it's just I just been doing everything I've been doing, but I've been picking it up, you know. Like the volume, I felt like I really needed that. So on pass, do pass for like fifty minutes, an hour, like thirty minutes, forty minutes, you know. And we just sit there, throw a lot of combinations and a lot of volume, you know. So yeah, and I feel like that's what I, that's what I needed in my last fight that I didn't have. So I'm putting it into this fight. Ah, oh, certainly love that. Now I do have to ask you before I let you go for a prediction on this fight. So when you step in with Alexander Yakovlev this upcoming weekend in Moscow, how do you see this one going down? I think I'm gonna get a knockout. I think um I think I'm going there first round. I'm knocking out. Um, I'm hungry right now. I'm hungry. I haven't felt like this since I, my my first few amateur fights when I was like really like like ready to dive into MMA. And, like, now I'm just, like, I'm starving right now, and I'm ready to go out there and, you know, like, prove to everybody that I belong here that last fight, you know, last fight I didn't show up to my job, and I didn't do what I supposed to do. But this fight, you know, I'm making up for it, and I'm showing that I belong here. All right. Well, you heard it here so, first. Yeah, definitely getting knocked out. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Roosevelt Roberts fights Alexander Yakolev at UFC Moscow this upcoming weekend. Roosevelt, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Thanks for the interview. And those interviews with Panny Keon Zod and Roosevelt Roberts are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. So if you train in any martial art, and it doesn't matter what it is, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, boxing, kickboxing, it doesn't matter. Get Maroon Social so that you can track your training sessions. It's got tons of awesome features, so once you set up your profile, you can log your training sessions and you can include notes of what you trained in, what you would like to fix for next time, things like that, and it's all saved right there on the app. Plus, in addition to that, you can tag teammates, try to get them out to the gym a little bit more often. And speaking of getting to the gym a little bit more often, it reminds you how much you're going week to week and month to month to make sure that you're meeting those goals that you've set for yourself. You can also log competitions, weigh-ins, and things like that. Check it all out. Maroon Social. Now, I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland, joined as always by Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I have to say that this may have passed Benson Henderson's mom as being the most intense mom in MMA. What do you think? Yeah, those stories about her mom are absolutely tremendous. Uh, most intense fight mom, I, I always give that nod to Ronda Rousey's mom, but you know what? We might have a, uh, a new woman in contention for that crown. Yeah, I always had Benson Henderson's mom, too, because you could always hear her cage side. She's always, like, right in the thick of things. So, yeah, I'd take either of those two. Uh, but I, I don't know. The way Panny describes it, man, I, neither of them rushed the side of the cage and shook it. So I think that might go to her mom. 
Well, I'll tell you what is going to go to everyone's mom, my mom, your mom, everyone's mom. It's Fights Parley's dog for Moscow this week. The UFC is traveling to Russia. Not my smoothest uh, transition I've ever made on this. (laughs) But I'm super excited about Fights Parley's dog. We were able to give the fans last week a correct dog and a correct parlay. Although, let's be honest, both of us kind of took it on the chin predicting all the fights on the card. But that's not what we're doing today. We're doing fights, dogs, parlays. We'll break down three fights, give you a dog, give you a parlay. You, of course, can always thank us on our Twitter at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. But Gumby, one might wonder, does any company sponsor fights, dogs, and parlays today? Of course, fights, dogs, and parlays is brought to you by Rampage Coffee. Go to rampagecoffee.com. Make sure to use promo code TURTLE20 for 20% off coffee that will kick your butt. It'll get you up off the couch because their C4 brand gives you four times the amount of caffeine as a regular cup of coffee. And if that is not your gig, if that's not in your bag, be sure to check out their regular medium roast or their dark roast, which are also equally as scrumptious, rampagecoffee.com. All right. Well, I am four times as excited as normal for a main event uh, this week because it's Zabit. He is the main event, right? Yeah, Zabit Magomed Sharapov and Calvin Cater is the new main event after Junior Dos Santos dropped out. That's right. Well, I am so excited about that. Zabit is one of our shows. I, I think I can speak for you in this regard. Our show collectively, one of our favorite fighters to watch his grappling, his video game striking. He's a minus 270 favorite over Calvin Guitar, who's betting off at a plus 230 dog. If you are wondering where uh, these two fighters have been in their career recently, well, I'm going to tell you that. Zabit, uh, first of all, if you've never seen him, go Google or go YouTube Zabit Highlights. You will not be disappointed. He's coming off a unanimous decision win over Jeremy Stevens. Big feather in his cap there, beating someone with the reverence and the standing in the UFC 145 division of Jeremy Stevens. It's no small feat. He submitted Brandon Davis before that. Got a decision win over Kyle Bochniak before that. Submitted via Anaconda Choke. Shaman Moraz before that. So he's 5-0 and all told in the UFC. He has three finishes, uh, all of which being submissions. So this is a very well-rounded fighter. Striking is no joke. He is someone to watch for. Calvin Guitar is going to have his hands full. But that being said, Calvin's on a bit of a streak himself. Two-fight win streak, TKO win over Ricardo Lamas, TKO over win over Chris Fishgold, lost to Hanada Moicano before that, uh, beat Shane Burgos, beat Andre Feely. So he's actually 4-1 and one in the UFC. Gumby, is there a possible upset in the making here? You know, when you were saying that, you know, Zabit Magomed Sharapov is one of the show's absolute favorite guys, I'm not going to debate you on that, but you are going to be very surprised. I'm taking Calvin Cater in this fight. I I not only like him at odds hovering around 230, which I think are an absolute steal if you're betting, but I actually like him in this fight because on the feet, personally, I think he is far more technical than Zabit Magomed Sharapov in his boxing. You know, Zabit might work in other aspects of his game. He might do some spinning shit. But, like, go back and watch Calvin Cater versus Shane Burgos from, uh, I believe it was at the TD Garden at UFC 220. He pieces Shane Burgos up on the feet for one of the most brutal KOs. 
And in addition to that, like, watch what Shane Burgos has done since then. He's absolutely run through competition. He just beat the piss out of Makwan Amir Khani. He's ranked 12th in the featherweight division. All said and done, that is a huge win for Calvin Cater. And to be honest with you, too, Calvin Cater is, is you know, got some really underrated grappling game. And, and I don't think Zabit's going to be able to get him down. My confidence from Cater only buoys when I watch a fight like Kyle Bochniak, where, where Zabit, you know, got him down, wasn't necessarily able to keep him down. And, you know, it was a it was a war on the feet. So I, I'm telling you, I'm liking Calvin Cater in this fight. I do. I, you know, I'm picking Zabit here. Uh, wouldn't pick against him. I think he just has so many tools in the tool bag, the tool chest. He's a Swiss Army knife, if you will. He just has so many different ways to beat you. But I do give you that, that uh, Cater, you know, was a big wrestler growing up. He has a good base in wrestling. So can Zabit get him down with, you know, his uh, his trips? He's got a great trip game. He doesn't have that standard, I'm going to double leg takedown you. You know, he more comes from that, uh, you know, you think of the beat with the body lock and then really fancy almost like some sambo trips. That's what I think of when I think of Zabi getting people down against the cage. Can he do that to Cater? Maybe not. The other thing I, I will give you credit for is you're right. Cater is the more, I guess, careful striker, uh, probably the more traditional, conventional. He's the safer striker. You know, I think Yair Rodriguez and Zabi both suffer from the same, same thing in that as fun as they are to watch, sometimes that kind of, I don't even know what to call it. Um, you know, is it improvisational? Maybe, but it's uh, it could be wild striking. Let's leave it at that. So mm-hmm. I myself am bringing up the beat, but y- you almost make me want to hedge my bets here. Uh, you're right. I think you bring up some good points with Cater. Yeah, and I would say too, if you are late in the beat, that that's definitely uh, I understand that entirely. But if you are a gambling man here this weekend and you're planning on gambling on this fight. Zabit at negative 270 is for sure a line to stay away from. Well, here's another big line and an exciting fight. And it has, you know, a rather uh, controversial name in it. Alexander Volkov is a minus 320 favorite to Greg Hardy, who's doing a very quick turnaround after having only fought about three weeks ago. Greg Hardy, the plus 260 dog. Uh, Volkov is coming off a loss to Derek Lewis. Uh, a year ago. He's been on the shelf for over a year, really, October of 2018, but he beat Fabricio Verdun before that, the former champ via KO, uh, TKO over Stefan Struve, decision Roy Nelson for a win, uh, got a split decision win over Timothy Johnson, uh, the world's greatest MMA mustache. So he's 4-1 in the UFC, but we haven't seen him in a year. The always controversial Greg Hardy, on the other hand, as I mentioned, is coming off, uh, let's see, October of 18th, October 18th. This fight is on November 10th. So three and a half, you know, three weeks. It was a no contest because of uh, inhaler gate. Uh, originally used a unanimous decision win for Hardy, but overturned. Uh, he beat Juan Adams via TKO before that. Beat Dmitry Smalkyov via TKO before that. So he's 2-0, and or I apologize. He had the illegal knee to Alan Crowder, so he was DQ'd for that. So in the UFC, he's 2-1-1. and If you want to overlook the inhaler, you could say he's 3-1. and 
are three and one via DQ. So he's never really fully lost. What do you make of this fight? I think it's an incredibly hard fight to call. And and similar to the main event, I'm going to give you guys some betting advice on this one. If you are planning on thinking that, if you think the favorite is going to win this fight, stay away from the line. Uh, A heavyweight at negative 320 is a very dangerous line, especially with Greg Hardy having the power he had. I said this to a friend earlier in the week. If Greg Hardy could cherry pick the fighter he thought he could best beat in the top 10, even the top 15, Volkov might be that right guy. Volkov got tagged late in the fight against Derek Lewis and showed that he could possibly be knocked out. And he doesn't have a grappling game that can give uh, Greg Hardy any real significant worries. So as a result, I think it's a decent matchup for Greg Hardy. Gun to my head, I have to pick somebody in order to survive. I'm taking Volkov all the way here because he's more polished. He definitely looks good. But you have to be impressed with the leaps and bounds, whether you like him or not, that Greg Hardy's making. And I think even though that last fight was a little on the lackluster side, I think it showed development. I think it showed a lot of poise. And I think it showed what exactly Dean Thomas is doing with Greg Hardy. Yeah, agreed. I I actually do. So I'm with you 100% here. I'm picking Volkov in the fight. I think he's more well-rounded. I think if it went to the ground, he'd be better off. Uh, you know, obviously then Greg Hardy, who's not going to want to take it to the ground at all. But I think he's the more accomplished striker uh, at this stage in his career. That being said, I'm not selling on Greg Hardy by any stretch of the imagination. I almost want to give him a little bit of credit for even taking this fight. It's the kind of thing I feel like his manager said, what, are you crazy? Volkov in Russia three weeks after having fought? But, hey, you know, maybe he's hard up for money. I don't know. Give him credit for taking it. I'm not selling him. In the long term, I think this is the kind of fight that adds to his very young resume in MMA. And probably, win or loss, he comes out a better fighter for the experience, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so, too. Even in a loss here, if he were to put together a couple of decent rounds before losing to a a knockout, or even even going the distance in a three-round fight with, with Volkov here... It's a tremendous experience builder, given that his first four fights all came against unranked opponents. All right, it's not just Fight Parlay's dogs as our segment right now. It's also, can Shockwave Dave pronounce crazy rough? <laughs> What's attempted here? Magomed Ankilov is a minus 260 favorite over Dolce Lungiambula, who's a plus 200 dog. Let's talk about Magomed. Uh, Magomed is 2-1 and one in the UFC, started out his career in the UFC with a submission loss to Paul Craig via triangle choke, but then came back with a huge head kick over Marcin Crichino and then a unanimous decision over Hudson Abreu. So 2-1 and one in three fights in the UFC, uh, obviously out of the uh, Eastern European Baltic states. He's facing Dolce Longiambula. A plus 200 dog. Gumby, why don't you kick us off? I'll have the intern look up what Dolch has done. Why don't you kick us off for what you're expecting from this fight? So I can tell you, Dolce Lungiambula in his UFC debut got a KO win over Daquan Townsend. Uh, so he's 1-0 in the UFC. He recently came over from the, the South African scene. I believe he was a double champion in EFC. So uh, in this fight, it's really interesting to me, too, because Lugiambula has got a judo background, which makes him kind of an intriguing uh, fighter for Ankylev, who relies kind of heavily on the takedown. Um, in the same token, you know, obviously Ankylev got tapped out by Paul Craig, but he's got sort of a more well-polished game once it does get to the ground. 
My worry about Lugiambula is he's not the type of guy who can put his hands together with his grappling. When he gets really free with his hands, his grappling gets really weak. When he gets really grappling heavy, he opens himself up to shots. So the fact that he doesn't string it together worries me against a guy against like Ankyalev. Again, I'm going to say this for the third straight fight. Anki 11 at negative 260 is a dangerous pick for guys who are as heavy as him. And especially with Dolce Lugiambula, who throws big, heavy hands. Like, I don't like picking favorites at 260 against guys who, you know, hit as hard as Lugiambula does. So as a result, I'm probably avoiding betting on this one too. And I know I don't want to tell you that about all of the top fights. But if I'm picking somebody, I'm picking Anki 11 by decision, probably wrestling him up pretty good. All right, well, let's get to our parlay of the week. Ours hit last week, hit the week before, if I'm not mistaken, too. I'd have to have the intern go up and look it up. But we're going with Shamil Gamzatov, a minus 215 favorite, and Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov, a minus 255 favorite. Bet both of them together, it comes out to a plus 105 parlay. What do you like about these two fighters? So I love Gamzatov. Ooh, it's me that's messing this one. Gamzatov is fighting Clinton Abreu. Abreu, his last time out, uh, got wrestled up pretty good. Um, oh, no, two times ago, rather. Got wrestled up pretty good uh, by Magomed Ankiyev. And, and I think just, like, Gamzatov is the type of guy who can do the exact same thing against him. So the fact that he's shown weakness in wrestling, I think this winds up being a pretty easy decision for Gamzatov. And for Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov, he's fighting David Zawada, who seemingly was only held around in the UFC after going 0-2 to be the guy to lose to Habib's cousin, right? Like, they're, I don't think they're blood cousins, but they call each other cousins. It seems like they're trying to build up another Nurmagomedov. They know they got the name value there. And, and this is a pretty clear decision victory for him. So I'm going to go with Nurmagomedov and Gamzatov here. And the fact that, once again, that you can take two guys that are so clearly, to me, going to win and get plus money, you you got to love that parlay. Well, you got to love our dog because she came on the show this week. Panny Kinziad, uh, plus 125 over Jessica Rose Clark. Yeah, I love Panny Kinziad in this one because, uh, first of all, she's at plus money, which is kind of crazy. But also the fact that she is a natural bantamweight who has also fought as heavy as featherweight. Um, and she fought, fe- you know, at the tough finale featherweight. So, you know, the fact that she's fought up at featherweight and here she is facing somebody who was down at flyweight her whole career until this fight. Well, I mean, I guess she fought Bantamweight a couple of times way back in Invicta. But in the UFC, she's only fought at, at flyweight. So she's small for the Bantamweight division. The fact that Keon Zod's going to have a size advantage here, she's probably going to be able to bully her a little bit. If she's able to wear her out the way that she's worn out a little bit in the past, I, I think this is a good fight for Keon Zod, and I think she's got the advantage on the ground as well. All right, that's going to wrap us up for another episode of Fight Dogs Parlays with your boys, Gumby and Shockwave Dave. We hope you enjoyed it. You can thank us for all this great gambling advice, or you could curse at us for all this bad gambling advice. Depending on the outcomes, this Saturday we'll, of course, be tweeting along as the show rolls on at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. Gumby, why don't you do a little house cleaning and get us home? Of course, that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for listening in each and every week. We wouldn't have a show without you guys. We also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on every single week because we couldn't do what we do without them either. We want to thank our sponsors, A Story About a Fight from Rumination Films, Maroon Social. Make sure to download the Maroon Social app. 
and Rampage Coffee. Plus, we want to remind you guys once again to check us out on Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. We're going to have a fun mystery fighter contest going on over there on our Twitter this week. So make sure to check that out. Now, I'm Daniel Gumby Bruin. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will see you next week.